It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And Franserve, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at Franserve.com. Now, here's your host, certified franchise consultant, Pamela Curry. Hello, this is Pamela Curry, franchise consultant for aspiring entrepreneurs looking to invest and license a franchise, as well as being the host of the Franchise Business Radio Show, powered by Franchise City. Franchise Business Radio Show was founded to be a platform to bring together business professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. Today, we have two tenured franchise professionals with us. Uh, they are with Homevestors of America, uh, and they're going to give us a perspective on a franchisor level as well as on a franchisee level. Uh, I would like to welcome David Hicks, CEO of Dallas-based Homevestors, better recognized from its marketing message and the original, <laughs> We Buy Ugly Houses, uh, with more than... 1,100 franchises in 170 markets across the country. David joined the company in 2005 as director of franchise systems and developed a process for coaching franchises. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pam. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Uh, I also would like to uh, welcome our other guest, uh, Don Cameron. Uh, he has been with We Buy Ugly Houses franchise since 2005. His goal has been to grow his business every year, and he has been extremely fortunate to have been recognized as the Homevestors Franchisee of the Year five of the past 10 years. Don originally joined Homevestors to grow his business by becoming part of a nationally recognized brand and to take advantage of the fact that Homevestors allows franchisees to focus on buying houses, something he has proven to be very successful at doing. Congratulations, Don. And he is becoming a franchisee since 2005. And you've actually purchased more than 1,500 to 2,000 homes from local sellers. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Welcome, Don. Thank you so much. And I'm happy to be here. Yeah, David, what I'd like to do for our listeners, um, could you just kind of kick us off and tell us a little bit about Homevestors and the work your franchise does? Absolutely. We are, uh, a lot of people don't know we're a franchise business. In fact, a lot of people don't know Homevestors, but when they see our billboards, We Buy Ugly Houses, they're familiar with our uh, trademarked uh, slogan. Uh, and the reality is we are a franchisor with 1,150 franchises in 107 different cities across the country. And our franchises take that ugliest house in the neighborhood, which we're going to talk about shortly. And through the uh, advertising, people call us uh, that want need help with that ugly house or the ugliest situation they're in. And we make it the nicest house in the neighborhood. Uh, so we are right now, there's a real challenge in the United States on affordable housing. And our franchises are one of the biggest suppliers of that. We're saving those houses that otherwise may be bulldozed and, and make them into uh, affordable housing for the first time home buyer. 
Makes sense. And you may have already addressed this, but how is that different from, I guess, classic or regular real estate? Well, the, the reality is uh, we are franchised by houses that regular realtors don't like. They uh, smell, they have uh, the, you know, they don't, they're not really marketable uh, to the general public and banks won't t- typically finance them because they're not in livable condition in many cases. And so we take that house and uh, we, uh, uh, the, ad- the, the thing that makes us different than the uh, local, there are others, individuals that go buy houses, but our systems to help do that are advertising that helps uh, generate a fine specific houses uh, and, and the network together uh, is what makes us successful. Makes sense. Uh, Don, I, I know you've had obviously a lot of experience in doing exactly that. Can you tell us uh, a bit more about your time with investors? and the work you've done for homeowners in South Florida market. We joined Homevestors back in 2005. And uh, I can tell you that uh, we did what a lot of people do today. And that is uh, they start off with a small independent company trying to buy houses. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the branding. Um, they're really sort of left on an island by themselves trying to act as an investor. And most times it doesn't work. Uh, we joined Homevestors because we saw the opportunity in having a recognized brand behind us. And uh, with a recognized brand, people relate to you. And as David just said, that we are not really competing with the residential MLS realty world out there. Mm -hmm. We're taking a very unique product or home that needs repairs. We're not out buying houses that are built last year or two years ago. We're buying older homes that are 20, 30, 40 years of age. And as David said, some of them would get bulldozed down if they didn't have people like us being able to buy them. And it gives the sellers a great opportunity, an exit strategy for us to come in as a contractor, renovate that entire house, including historical houses that we're doing now. And we renovate them and put them in pristine condition and put them back on the market to sell. That's great. And uh, I know we're going to dive a little bit deeper into uh a specific project that you worked on, Don. Uh, before we do that, uh, David, uh, and, and Don, this is a question for both of you. Uh, you know, what do you think is the biggest benefit uh, to the homeowner, to the, to the seller you're buying the home from? Uh, Pam, probably the biggest benefit is just that convenience, uh, the time saving, the ability to go do that. The reality is, and probably a good comparison is, you know, you could go, if you decide you want a new car, you could take your car and you could go clean it up. You could fix everything. You could list it through a lot of places. You could go show it. You could go, uh, you'll do all that. Or you could go down to dealership and trade it in. If you did it yourself, you'd probably make a little bit more money doing it. But very few people today want to go through that hassle. Uh, 
And uh, so one of the biggest things with us is that convenient. They can call Don, for example, and literally in two weeks, they could have that house sold and closed and be out of it. Uh, or they could go through and uh, clean it up and fix it up, which many people that call us don't have the money to do those repairs. Uh, and and they could then have people list it and have, uh, you know, showings and people come through the house. And uh, or and that's what the biggest uh, benefit is, is that just the convenience uh, and the surety knowing that it's going to be sold. Uh, and and the reality is when Don's buying the house, uh, he's taking a lot of risk because he goes in and you're going to see this house here. You don't uh, he's buying it as is. regardless of what the repairs are. Uh, And so that's probably the biggest benefit. That makes makes sense. Don, if you have anything to add to that, um, please do. And I also want to dive into a specific case study uh, as a wonderful example. I could add to that too. I think one of the major benefits that we have over any of our competition, number one, is that we are a local home buyer. Most of these people that we compete with are not local. We can have somebody in Phoenix quoting something in South Florida, or we can have you know somebody in Atlanta quoting in California. They don't know the market. They've never seen the house and they're quoting prices. And that's what gets people into trouble. We don't operate that way. We actually set an appointment up on every, every property that we go to see. And before we make them an offer, we see that property. We evaluate that property. We know what that property is going to sell for once it's renovated. We know what our construction costs are. We know what our holding time is. So we're going in there totally capable of buying that house. And not only that, but doing the proper renovations and selling that house and creating no longer a blight in the community, but something that anybody is interested and happy in buying. Wow. Yeah, Don, thank you so much for outlining that. And the reason I say that is, is because I personally uh, get calls randomly all the time saying, hey, do you want to sell your place? Do you want to sell your place? And they're just giving me offers on the spot with, with site unseen. I And I was surprised by that. It's so, a completely different approach. The, the illustration I often give people, and you brought that up based on a car, David did. Would you go out and buy a 10 or a 15 or $20,000 used car without seeing it? Now we're talking about change the decimal point. Would you go out and buy a two or three hundred thousand dollar house without seeing it? Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. And all our advertising and everybody, every franchisee does what we do. And that is we set an appointment, we go out and we look at the property, we evaluate the property, and then we will give them an offer on that property based on what we've seen. Excellent. So let's talk about a specific case study. Uh, when you first saw uh, a home uh, that was later designated as the ugliest house of the year, what was your reaction? And if you could renovate it to a point which was even ever livable again? 
How ugly was it? <laughs> well, here's two things I just want to clarify. One I want to clarify is that our, 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 our slogan, We Buy Ugly Houses, and the name that we're so well recognized by, really, we do buy ugly houses, like something that's burnt out or something that's had a flood or there's issues like that, that, that maybe there's only walls left up in the house. Sure. But in many cases, we are buying an ugly situation. And it's not really an ugly house because some people may have lived in their home for 40 or 50 years. It's dated. It needs renovations, but it's not really ugly. But it could be an ugly situation because of a death or there could be a relocation or a divorce or, you know, clarification. there's major problems with this particular house, as well as many others during a given year, we have in turn bought a lot of ugly houses. And this is meets with our parameters of, I guess, number one or number two, number three, any house like this that you're looking at right now is is a house that had a fire and the lady that owned the property started having i i guess had a a grill or a candle that was burning outside and the candle got blown over and sure enough it caught onto the carpet and before she was able to get the fire department there there's what you saw the evidence of what the house looked like it had a tremendous amount of damage in the living room and the kitchen and the bedrooms um and this is not the only one that we buy like this we buy many houses like this um and she had no alternative but to sell it and move on in life and this would be considered likely for last year likely the the number one ugliest house for us to buy and renovate and you know what i know we're on zoom but this is a podcast some may see this um video piece of this too. David, it might only be picking up voices. So could you show us a couple of pictures and just say, like, here's the bathroom, here's the kitchen. And that way, if anyone's watching this, they might be able to see exactly what Don's referring to. Yeah, there's the, what it was showing now is the kitchen before. Uh, and let me get the after one up there, what we have, because you can see from the Fun of it is this house is really uh, in bad shape. John, Don, you want to talk about the kitchen? And Yeah, I don't see anything on my monitor as far as the picture is concerned, but I know the house fairly well. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you're going to show the picture or not, and I can comment on it. Or... It's it's not, it may not be picking up. Yes, there I have. Yeah, uh, I, I see, see the picture it. now. On the left is the, is the fire damage. Of course, you can see that. There's no insulation left in the ceiling. The trusses had to be replaced. All the drywall had to be replaced. Um, uh, kitchen cabinets, uh, appliances, flooring, everything was renovated. And on the right-hand side of the screen, you're going to see the completed product that has new soft clothes, wood cabinets. you got stainless steel appliances. You've got wood laminate floors, uh, all new drywall ceilings knocked down over the dry drywall uh, and that's in the kitchen area night and day night and day this is uh, the hall bathroom uh that had a lot of damage as well uh that was totally replaced and you can see the 
the tile that we used on, on the uh, in the bathroom, new uh, vanity, new granite, and uh, also a new toilet and bathtub with new flooring. This is the outside patio area. This is where the the uh, apparently where the fire caught initially, right in the front entrance um, of the of the sliding glass doors and all of that uh, wood that you see there is now the house is being protected by plywood prior to us getting permits. This is a completed living area that has been completed. You'll notice that we do all uh, porcelain tile, uh, new sliding glass doors, all new ceilings in the, in the living room area, um, five and a quarter inch baseboards, knock down ceilings, new fans in every room, Another that's one of the bedrooms that has been completed and uh, and that the bedrooms have carpeting in them. That is great. That's great. The great, great examples and just overview, whether you're listening to this via the podcast or even watching the Zoom link, hopefully you saw some of those pictures because the visual <laughs> it it will blow your blow your mind. Uh Don, take us to the outcome. What what was the outcome of this for the seller who was in that distress situation and the new home? The uh, seller was caught between a rock and a hard place on this one. Um, she didn't have ample insurance to cover the renovation costs. The insurance company kept dragging her along and not giving her any money. She had to relocate to one of her family members' homes to stay there for a period of time. But like everything else, you know, you don't have a much, you don't have that much elbow room after a while. Things get a little tight. Uh, she moved into uh, an Airbnb for a period of time, and she had to make a decision whether she tried to keep the house. She didn't have enough money to do the renovations, which cost in excess of $125,000, $150,000. And she was waiting for the insurance company as well. We offered her the best alternative. The best alternative was you can cash out, we'll pay you for the house, we'll pay off your mortgage. You take the, 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 the balance of your cash and go on with your life and put a deposit down on another house. And it'll simplify your life and get rid of the problem and not try to become a contractor to do what we're trying to do after you try to get a settlement with the insurance company. The, the insurance company would still pay her whatever the fees that they were agreed to to uh, to remit to her. And that was her that was her little nest egg as well. So we stayed out of that part of it totally. And we gave her a great cash offer that she certainly accepted and was was very grateful for what we offered her and we did well uh, when we sold it as well. Great story and example of helping someone in a distressed situation and positive outcome for all. Uh, kind of want to jump in. Any, anything else you would like to add from a franchisee perspective? And then I want to jump over to uh, David regarding what he's looking for as far as characteristics in a future franchisee. Well, uh, there's a lot of franchises out there that people can, you know, get involved in. Um, it's very rewarding, I think, for people that really want to touch, smell, 
be engaged in a day-to-day activity of of improving something, mm-hmm. uh, taking taking a home that they can relate to because they live in a home, uh, and going out and buying a house and renovating it and seeing uh, a, a transition, a big improvement, and the end result is to hopefully make money on it. Uh, it's so rewarding and people don't realize that it's not no disrespect to McDonald's or Burger King flipping hamburgers, <laughs> but you know, there there's obviously rewards because you're, you're helping people satisfy their hunger, but this, <laughs> this is a totally different, different, you know, animal altogether. And I think that uh, if people are interested in the real estate world, then I think, if you want to make money, I think real estate is likely one of your best avenues that you could ever, ever, ever desire to get into. But you have to be very committed. And it's hard work. It's not a cakewalk. It's uh, it's a t- difficult business. Uh, it's long, hard hours. But if you want to contribute to that, I think, and being with a name brand like Homebusters or We Buy Ugly Houses, I couldn't be happier. And and being with Homebusters for 18 or 19 years speaks volumes, I think. And um, I'm just, I'm delighted that I made the decision back in 04 to join Homebusters in 05. Fabulous. Thank you. And uh, David, from a, would you mind sharing before we dive into what you are looking for when you think about good characteristics in a franchisee? But prior to that, would you mind just kind of recapping how does the franchisee make money? I mean, Don just gave a great example there, but there are other ways that a franchisee can make money as a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, really, there's several key things. One, but the number one is what Don uh, is talking about there is buying those houses, need repair, fixing up and selling them. Uh, now, the, the second part of that is, uh, you know, some of them they'll get to that they maybe they find a house that uh, they're not an expertise at that. Like if Don didn't have the experience he had for this house on a burnout, which takes a lot, uh, a franchise may wholesale sell that to somebody that kind of specializes in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if it's an area that they don't want to work, they don't know, then they may wholesale that house. Uh, the third way is through rental properties. A lot of our franchises end up with rental properties, and they uh, end up where typically 10 to 12% of our houses we buy, our franchisee actually keep them as rental properties. Uh, and then uh, keep them for the long term. So that's the biggest ways that they do. Uh, And remember, all of our franchises are independently owned and operated franchises. They're working in their local community. They're helping improve their local community. And one of the things we're looking for, you asked about the characteristics. Uh, The first is they, they really need to have a desire to help others because that is a big part of ours. They need to uh, that needs to be a part of it. If they like helping people, uh, they're going to like us. Second, they need to learn, have a desire to learn uh, the real estate investment business because there is a, a lot to it. There are a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, 
Uh, third, I'd say they like they should like working with a team. Uh, you're gonna find we're a very team oriented company. Uh, our ad councils and local community work together as a team. Uh, and uh, in fact, one of the things. Uh, that they'll tell you is coming to our conventions and stuff. What they really like is what they learn from other franchises. They what they learn from others. They're doing that, and probably the fourth is that uh, that desire to work hard. Uh, many people come in and you know you have all these fix and flip shows and make it sound like it's easy and like it you know they can get rich quick. This is not a get rich quick. It is a something if they work real hard and they're willing to uh, to invest and do that. They can make it do really well, but they have to be willing to work hard. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, well, I, we're coming down to the closing um, time of our show. And before we wrap up uh, the Franchise Business Radio Show, I'm just going to open it up to both of you. Any additional thoughts uh, or advice that you would like to share to our listeners? John, you want to go first? Sure. Um, my advice is uh, anybody that wants to join Homebusters or go out on their own for the first six months or the first year, uh, be exceptionally cautious. Uh, I think that anybody that comes through our door that is interested in a franchise, we are we are telling them to walk before they run, get to understand the business, take the training with Homebusters, and that's only that's only this. They maybe ten percent of the surface of, of really understanding the business, and don't read into too many of these fix and flips. That, as David said, that you think you make, you know, it's just a, a grandeur idea that you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on a transaction. If you're making that, then you're not being fair to the people. Hmm. Uh, secondly, I think that they should be very cautious and start off reasonably small and grow the business as they learn the business. And if they do that, they'll be sitting where I am in 15 or 20 years and be be considered very, very successful in the real estate world. Great, John. And I would, I'd kind of add for that. I, I would, regardless if you're looking at getting a franchise and a franchise is a great thing. I've been the franchise business. This is my second franchise or uh, that I've worked with. I've been with Homebusters now almost as long as Don at uh, 17 years. And I would, uh, I would say the first thing is find a business that you can see yourself doing and that you, you have a passion to do. Uh, and we have a fun business, but it's a fun business if you like this kind of business. And so when you get into it, if you can see yourself doing it, you're going to find that, uh, uh, that then the, the work is, uh, is for most part is fun. And that's what you really want to find. Find something you enjoy doing. And, uh, and Don is a great example of that. I mean, Don doesn't, uh, uh, I mean, he, he has been around for a, a long time in our business. He's bought a lot of houses, and you don't do that without a passion for this business. Excellent. Well, thank you. I appreciate both of you being guests on the Franchise Business Radio Show. Uh, wealth of knowledge. I'm sure my listeners really appreciate it. Um, I do want to go ahead. I'm going to sign off here. I want to say thank you uh, to our listeners for tuning into the Franchise Business Radio Show, powered by Franchise City. Uh, and again, this is Pamela Curry, host of the Franchise Business Radio Show. And I can't stress it enough, but just like Don and David were sharing, 
you don't enter into a business by yourself. That's one of the values of being part of a franchise system. Uh, is not only getting that business recipe book, uh, learning all the nuances, but having that peer exchange. Well, that goes true with actually selecting a franchise. And as David alluded to, it's very important to find a business that aligns for you. There are a lot of little pieces of a puzzle that need to come together. So don't do it yourself. Reach out to me. Uh, if uh, you're considering franchise business ownership, let me be your franchise advisor and help you navigate the process of finding a business that aligns for you. Uh, again, this is the Franchise Business Radio Show, a platform for bringing together business professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. As always, thank you to our guests, our listeners, and our sponsors. Powered by Franchise City, Franchise Intellect, and Insider Knowledge for selecting a franchise, and FranServe. Thanks again, Pamela Curry, 847-970-8765. Thank you again for joining Pamela Curry and her guests for the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at franchiseintellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com.